Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Welcome back to Make Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have Chris Stryer, the CEO and founder of Rankings.io on the show for a few reasons. He's actually been kind of a mentor to me and my agency, as well as he's super, super smart, knows everything about SEO for personal injury attorneys, but he's also worked in other industries. So he specializes in personal injury helping them rank on Google and does an amazing job across the country. His agency ranks personal injury firms for the most lucrative keywords in their industry with end-to-end SEO, content creation, and technical optimization. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for joining us. First of all, you're so nice. That's that's too kind. (laughs) And, And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I know you're kind of like obsessed with the SEO, which you should be because that's your that's your company. Um, And I'm always amazed at what you come up with, like different tactics, and you're always on the cutting edge of what's changed. What are you seeing today in 2021? That is completely different that people might not be aware of of what they have to be doing for SEO for their business. You, you hit me with a big one right out of the gate. So there's, <laughs> there's so many things. Uh, I'll just, a couple of them is just the content strategies. It's, it's no longer a situation where a topic hasn't been covered. There's an article on Google about a topic. So now it's more about quality and cutting through the noise. Like how do I stand out from the competition? So you have to think about being different. And by the nature of being different, you automatically stand out. That's a big one. And then the other one is there's just so much of a focus on your site, you know, on-site SEO and just the UX and, and you have to have a great site. It's just imperative. But there's a lot of things I could talk about local SEO and how spam, it, it, there's a lot of spam and you used to have to be re- reactive and anytime something was happened, kind of protect yourself in a reactive mode. But in some markets, you have to be really proactive and actually fight fake reviews and fight again, you know, you've got businesses that jam keywords in there incorrectly. And you have to be proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, I kind of did start with a big question. So let's dig into to it a little bit more. Yeah. Let's go back to content marketing. You work in a highly competitive market, probably one of the high, highest competitive market for personal injury attorneys. How do you help them cut through the noise with a different point of view for content? Yeah, there, it has to start from a front-end strategy. It, it, there really has to be a lot of competitive analysis. You have to look at your competition, see what content they have, and you really want to make the best piece of content in your market. That's what that's the name of the game. And also, it's no longer a situation where you write one piece of content and then you can just leave and never revisit it. Like, oh, I'm done. I have it on this topic. No, you need to 
you need to refresh it in some cases on a monthly basis, but, wow. but definitely on a yearly basis and just make the best piece of content there is. It's, it's difficult. No matter what business you're in, there's going to be all aspects of the funnel you need to cover. So you need that top and middle of the funnel content to draw an awareness to really put yourself out there. And then you need the bottom of the funnel sales pages. And that's, they're called a number of different things per industry, but it has to be a comprehensive strategy to your content. So once I look at my competitors and find out the best content that they're putting out there, the idea is to just create even better content than what they're putting out there, right? I mean, for some Yeah, right? better and different. So a lot of times you'll see individuals, they'll do go competitor analysis and they'll see like the content's all kind of structured the same. So if you can create mm. a different format, maybe they have a lot of list posts and you make a guide or there's all uh, one individual point of view. Maybe you do a roundup and you have multiple contributors for your content. You just need to structure it differently and that will automatically help you stand out. It'll help you cut through the noise. You'll get more uh, a bigger audience. And those are some of the tactics you need to take. And you also probably uh, uh, recommend doing different formats, right? Like yeah. podcasting and videos mm -hmm. and interviews and testimonials. Absolutely. And that's such a great question because, and I know a lot of people listening probably know this, but YouTube's the second largest search engine. So if you've got a content strategy that's working on it from an organic perspective, maybe you want to implement something similar on YouTube. And now podcasts are just blowing up. And a lot of people don't think of SEO when it comes to podcasts, but mm -hmm. the algorithm for Apple to search for a podcast, if you hit that browse button or search button button, it's very geared and catered to keywords. So the name of your show is incredibly important if you're trying to target a certain market. That's great advice. I didn't even know that. Good thing I have marketing in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, what are you seeing when you first start working with a client? What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that they're doing with their SEO? Biggest mistakes, and I'll try to hit it in the four functions. I really divide SEO into four. So content, on-site, local, and link building. Content, either the content's just not, typically it's not good enough. It's thin. It's, it's, mm. it's just, it's too fluffy. It has to be really robust and strong or just there isn't enough that you're not covering all the topics as well as they could. The on-site SEO or working on the website, the things that we see sometimes uh, one of the biggest issues is the architecture, like how your content is laid out. How do you navigate from one piece of content to another piece of content? For the consumer that's reading your information, you want to make that really easy for them to find what they're looking for. A lot of times that can be challenging if you have multiple cities, locations, products, or services. So the architecture, the bigger your site uh, gets, it's a challenge. Local SEO, you know, local SEO is, is talked a lot about, but there's some things that are overlooked. The actual... You know, in real estate, it's location, location, location. I know you love mm -hmm. real estate. I love real estate. Yep. And if you have one office, you may rank in the map pack, but 10 miles away, even though you're in a respective city, you're not going to show up as well because proximity and distance is very important. You know, imagine you went on vacation and you're in St. Louis and you typed in best restaurants near me. Well, you wouldn't expect to see them 10 miles away. And that's the same in any industry. 
So mm. if you have one headquarter office, an expansion strategy may be just opening another office in a different part of the city or, or uh, another city nearby. So that's overlooked. Uh, we could talk about reviews. Reviews are critical. Yeah, yeah let's talk about reviews yeah. if we don't, if you don't mind, because sure. I know uh, they're kind of a pain to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of software out there. We have some software as well to help you do that. But ha- it is really critical. How does it play into how you get found on search? So local search is the, the way you rank is through relevance, distance and prominence. And in the section under prominence, it says review score. Uh, the number of reviews and your score are a ranking factor. So let's let's start with this score itself on that five-star rating. Again, and I'm going to use restaurants as an analogy, uh, kind of sure. my example, because it's the easiest for everyone to associate. If you type best restaurants near me, you're not going to see the one-star rated restaurants that are just terrible. You're going to see the five-star restaurants, and that's for every single industry. So if you want to rank for those superlatives, top, best, all those different searches... You have to have a good rating. That's number one. Number two is you need to have a volume of ratings. You need to have multiple reviews. And that is a ranking factor. So the number of reviews plays into that. And then the last thing I'll say on reviews is just by the nature of growing, every business can't satisfy everyone. You'll have a time where you get a negative review. It's just, it just happens. You're, mm-hmm. you know, And that's not a bad thing because a business shouldn't be right for everyone. It should be right for the right people. Yeah, And if you get that negative review, the biggest mistake I see is individuals get really defensive and mm-hmm. in their response. But you got to understand that your response is not for that individual. It's for everyone else that's going to read it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It amazes me, not only the bad ones, but I encourage uh, people to respond to the good ones because why do we leave reviews? We want attention. We want to be seen and heard. So if you're respecting that desire, then you're going to go a long way. Absolutely. I imagine you help your clients as well do case studies or I don't know what the terminology is in their industry, but uh, when they've won a case, Mm -hmm. Um, Do you help them build out that kind of story, how they helped? I think that all of us can learn from that and create the similar uh, marketing piece. (laughs) So I'd like to say that we we should do that more. Uh, We, (laughs) you know, for attorneys that we work with, they'll have a case results page and we'll we'll highlight those big cases or put the individual results on a, a specific page. So to give you an example there was a big car accident settlement, we would want to put that on their car accident lawyer page. So we do that. They have testimonial pages, but you know, that full breakdown, it's not something we do frequently, but when when you can do it, it's it can be really powerful for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. What are some mistakes that you see automatically with their on-page optimization. So when you take over uh, a website or uh, their content, I know that you talked about having thin content. What else are people missing? Well, this, the the framework itself, there are a lot of content management systems. So just selecting one that's intuitive and easy to work on. I know there's a lot of agencies out there that will create their own proprietary CMS and they kind of handcuff you to those platforms Mm -hmm. and make it a nightmare for consumers. But you know, so first it's really, you know, and, and there are many different platforms that work. WordPress is really common, but in some cases, you know, Squarespace and some of these others can work depending upon your industry or niche. But 
I would say some of the biggest problems are just the, the and I kind of said architecture, I'm going to rephrase it in a different way, is just the navigation. It's like, where does the content set? How do I get to the content that I want to read? And sometimes those menus are just really just bloated. There's too many too many pages and articles on the menu mm-hmm. or you'll have a sidebar that's just not relevant to the information you're reading. So it's just, you know, back in the day, you could put every single link in the sidebar and it would help your SEO and that's why everyone did it. But now if you're, and I'm going to stick to the car accidents on this, if you're on a car accident page, why would you ever see food poisoning in the sidebar? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that doesn't exactly. make sense. So yeah. you need to have the relevant articles easy to find. And it's not just for the user, but it's also for the the indexing, right? Google mm-hmm. needs to have a good experience of indexing that content, um, which I imagine is supported by inside links as well. So mm-hmm. linking out to other pages and growing their strength. Yeah. So let's go back to local SEO again. Uh, mm-hmm. You talked about proximity. So is there a certain distance proximity that people can dominate and then they it just kind of gets watered down in most industries after a mile you will see one mile you will see a dramatic decrease in their ability to rank in the map pack wow and it's it's even more relevant in the legal industry with a lot of saturation so it depends on how many businesses are in that area but after one mile you can really lose a lot of visibility there are some tools that aren't as common there's one called local falcon and it'll basically overlay a grid, a radius grid around your headquarters, and it will show you where your rankings start to deplete. And that can give you a really good idea of where to open a new office and expand. And it's also really powerful when you look in entirely different states. You look at a metro, you see a gigantic competitors downtown. Oh, maybe I need to open my office five miles north or west or east or whatever, even though the downtown may have the best office space, that may not be the best strategy. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, great tool. Are there any other tools that that we can look at that are helpful aside from the common, you know, uh, Google AdWords and so forth for keyword research? Keyword research, my two favorite tools, and I'm going to everyone as every SEO specialist says these, these two names differently. Simrush is a great one. And then ahrefs.com. Both of those are phenomenal. They, they're head and shoulders above the others. Simrush just went public. So they got a lot of capital. And with that capital, they're just, their technology and their tool is going to continually improve. That's great. And I'll have links to those in the show notes. Um, I think there's a free version just for if you want to get your feet wet, right? Mm-hmm. And just test it out. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So there's a lot of myths out there about SEO. One of them, I think, is when we were talking about quality content, all you have to do is go look at your competitors and see how many words they have and then just double it. I don't think there's any truth to that. What do you say? Yeah, that's a complete myth. Content, (laughs) longer content does tend to perform better, but it can't just be fluffy content where it's just, it has to be robust. It has to be dense with quality information. Because consumers can see right through it. If it's fluffy, even though it's long, they're going to bounce. Those those headers are more important than ever. The copywriting for your subheaders to keep users transitioning down and through the page is critical. A lot of a scan read. I scan read myself. If I'm oh, looking yeah. for something in particular, I'm not going to read every single word. I'm going to jump to the subheader and find my information. 
and yeah, so it's it's more about quality and it's got a longer content does tend to rank better, but it has to be good. Yeah. And how do you know it's good? Like, what are some things that we need to look at? Honestly? Yeah, before you even write the content, you need to think about answering consumer intent. Like, why is a consumer coming here? What information mm. should this page contain? That's the first step. And then I think that if you get enough volume, you could actually ask consumers and you could get comments on the page. But if you don't have a lot of volume, then maybe you just look at some of those core metrics of, of whatever statistics you have using Google Analytics. Maybe you look at bounce rate, time on page, even though a page may not receive a lot of traffic, it may take months bef of data before you can actually re analyze it and give it a true, you know, is this good or is this bad? But uh, that those are some of the tactics you can take. And then you were mentioning sometimes you have to go back and refresh content at least mm -hmm. once a year at minimum. What are we looking at when we look at old content to refresh it and make it val uh, valuable? That's a really good question. So the first thing I would tell you is, it's very common for a website to have only a few articles that just really dominate and do great. You know, mm -hmm. the Pareto principle, those 80, 20, there's this a, a small number of pages that really rank and you need to nurture and take care of those prune, prune the weeds off of them, you know, take care of them. If something changes, a law changes or something new comes out, you need to update them, keep them fresh. And not only that in the Google search results, it's often you'll see a published date. So, your best pages, the, the first thing that I would do when it when it turn flips over to 2022 is go update all of those best pages so that you can refresh the publish date to published in 2022. I mean, there are a lot of different industries that that it matters more than others. But let, let's think about medical, for example. Let's say you're sick yeah. and you type in <laughs> a symptom related. And I see something that was written in 2018 and in another article with a similar title, you know, 2021. I'm choosing 2021 all day. Yeah, right. You mean you're not following following WebMD in 2017? Right. right. <laughs> Pre-COVID? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just makes sense, right? But people forget that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I tell our clients, put yourself in the consumer's shoes every day. What, how are they using the web? How are they finding your information? One of my favorite books is They Ask You to, uh, They Ask You Tell, right? By Marcus Sheridan. It's just Thanks. answering all the questions that they might be typing into Google. So what about link building? What people think, oh, I can just go and pay someone 500 bucks to get a bunch of links to my website. Yeah, you could do that. That'd be pretty risky. Not all links are valued the same and they have different levels of authority. We stick them in buckets. So we have a relevancy book bucket for your niche. Then we have mm -hmm. a geography bucket. So if you're a St. Louis restaurant, you want to be mentioned in STL Today and this, the you know feast and things like that in St. Louis. Then we have authority. That's the one all the SEO specialists talk about. It's a DA90 or DR90 on a hundred <laughs> scale. And then you've got the trustworthiness and those are your Wikipedias, your government entities. So you need to focus on all of those and there's different levels of quality. Uh, the other thing that I would say is link building. I know Google wants you to think this, that if you build great content, the visitors will automatically websites will automatically link to you, but it's not field of dreams with Kevin Costner. If <laughs> you build it. the content, it's the links will not come. You have to promote the content to get those links. 
So, you know, that's a myth. It's not Field of Dreams. Uh, you have to be promotion. You have to promote your content. Yeah. And does it still stand that it's a good idea to guest podcast, guest blog, you know, expand mm-hmm. your knowledge on other people's platforms? Absolutely. I think in today we get so caught up with nomenclature. One person will say guest posting's bad. Another person will say blogger outreach is good. And then digital PR. We're, we're all just talking about contributing content to another site. You yeah. can call it whatever you want. Digital PR sounds so appealing, but you need to be able to put content on high quality sites and to promote yourself. And podcasting is a phenomenal tactic, as you know, because when you typically when you're a guest on many podcasts, they'll do a transcription and they'll link to the guest. It's it's very it's a thing you do for integrity, for courtesy. And it's a great link building tactic where, you know, for me, I, I don't love banging out behind a keyword, a blog. I'm just, I'm not the best writer. I've got yeah. my thoughts. But if you interview me or we do a video, I, I can thrive in that. I'm okay. But yeah. so it, there's different mediums and, and I think podcasting is phenomenal. I think it's just finding your comfort zone, right? Yeah. When I meet with people that are like, oh, I don't want to do, you know, video. I don't want to do podcasting. I don't want to write and all this. Well, don't then. We, we need to find some way to get what's in your brain and out to the public um, because it, it does have your voice. And I think voice really helps as well, right? Because yeah. it's that unique perspective. Yeah, tonality. You know, we're watching, you know, video. I can see, you know, if you're happy or sad and how you react to something I say. It's the, an inflection. Whereas you read something, you're like, I'm not sure. If you put yeah. emphasize a different word, is this person upset? Are they happy? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's really, you, you can't compete on how many words you put out there or, you know, the topic or anything like that. It really just has to be your point of view. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the only thing that's left. So I have a couple other questions for you um, before we wrap up. When you first started, when did you first start rankings? How, how, how old is rankings? So we I. launched as attorneyrankings.org and that was in February, 2013. It's about eight, eight years now. Wow. Wow. And what would wish, what did you wish you knew then that you know now? Oh my gosh, so much. So, <laughs> We've so only much. got 10 more minutes. So much. How much time <laughs> we got? I, I wish I would have started building a brand out of the gate. I, I really put marketing on the back burner, which sounds so crazy when I own an SEO agency, a marketing agency. But I just, I didn't really brand myself up until the last couple of years and just depended on referrals and word of mouth. Yeah. And if I would have been more intentional about that out of the gate, it would have been a lot easier. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we always put our marketing last, right? Because we're yeah. focused on, fo- I, I think everyone can relate to that. What were some of your biggest learning learning curves? Like what what was one of your biggest mistakes in the beginning? One of my biggest mistakes was about three or four years in, I didn't have a great handle on my data, particularly for Mm. financial data. And I was over hiring and I wasn't forecasting properly. I didn't have a great handle on profitability and it was kind of an afterthought. I know I'm I'm, uh, profit first, Mike Michalowicz. Once we kind of implemented that, that was a game changer. It's just a whole mind shift to, to really make sure you're paying yourself first. Remember, there was a point where I was like in the fourth or fifth year of my business and 
my business would grow. I'd add a million, but yet my salary went down. I'm like, wait, huh? What's going on here? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I need to fix this. So yeah, a yeah. lot of data, a lot of data hiring, and just getting a handle on my finances was a learning experience for me. That's great advice. Starting, you know, really having the benchmark data at the very beginning. And, and using that as a compass is super important uh, to being mm-hmm. successful in business. So where can people find you online? Like if they want to reach out to you and connect. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for that, Pia. So the just a couple ways. I'm most active on LinkedIn. If you guys message me on LinkedIn, I'll probably get back to you. If it's on Twitter, Instagram, I'm probably not. I, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Chris Dreyer there. Uh, websites, rankings.io. And uh, those are the two main we- methods of finding me. That's awesome. And then I'll have all those links in the show notes as well. Because we call this podcast Make Your Marketing, and because my tagline is at Fingerprint, we help you leave your mark. My last question to you, Chris, is what mark do you want to leave on the world? Oh, geez. That time's up. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> yeah, I... I just want to inspire other individuals and and my uh, children to do what they want to do and pursue their dreams. Sounds really cheesy, awesome. cliche, but that's what I'd like. No, spoken like a soon-to-be first-time dad. Which yep. congratulations! I'm excited for you. Coming up, uh, Chris. You. This has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Pia. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, you can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening.